0: Hi again, everyone, and welcome to Angel Hooper Chats With. This week, we have the second part of my episode chatting with Ruby Susan Mountford, so please enjoy.
1: I, I've helped out with um, this group called Different Journeys, which does social events for autistic people, mm-hmm. and um, they do, they've they been setting up some specific ones for LGBTIQA plus people. And it won with, like, a bunch of like, younger kids, and there was, like, an 11-year-old, and she was just like, all the best people are autistic. Everything, I'm sitting there just being like, you're, like, surety of just how rad it is to be an autistic person yeah. blows my brain and I'm so happy I could and will cry a little bit yeah. because I have a lot of feelings about this. Like the fact that this is something that you can see characters, like you know, she has talked about characters she likes in in media. because now they have, you know, shows like Steven Universe and She-Ra Princesses of Power have canonically autistic characters, mm-hmm. you know, who are who are not shown as people who have to change to find friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really different. Yeah, uh,
0: it's like yeah. um, Bob's Burgers. Do you watch that? Yeah. Like, um, Louise. Yeah.
1: It's yeah. not it's
0: not explicitly said, but I, I like I I I'm I'm thinking that with the hat that she wears. There's
1: some there's some there's some definitely um, traits neuro-diverse there traits in there diverse traits in there. Yeah, and I, I think like. You know, and that's the first step. It's much like how we, before we got a lot of queer presentation, we got a lot of queer baiting, like Supernatural and stuff. Like you have people kind of starting to hint at people being a little like neurodiverse specifically often, mm. but without using the labels of it just yet, because they don't, it feels a bit weird. Um, and so, I think that's,
0: sorry, yeah. Supernatural, are you talking about Charlie?
1: I'm not, I'm talking about in Supernatural how they were kind of queerbaiting with Dean and Castiel for a really long time.
0: Ah, oh, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like
1: documented season I'm after sure. season of being like, will they, won't they? We'll never tell, but they're not gay, but maybe they will. Yeah. And just never, never going anywhere with it. It's cool. It was that sense of like, you know that your fans want this to happen. Yeah. And so you're going to dangle it. Right. And, um, and so it's a similar thing with like, you know, uh, I think people still are still learning as well that when you do representation, you can. It's actually we do like it when you just say when you are avert, like the the kind of subtle indications are still like you know we see that with like oh it doesn't matter because it's not their whole identity. I'm like yeah sure, but like mm. you can still use the word. You yeah, know? Uh, and I yeah. think that's why it's been. So I remember like it's again it's only been very recently, but I remember finding out that um, Entrapter, who's a character on Stephen uh, not on Stephen Universe on Shira. Uh, and she's like, she loves robots and she only eats tiny food. Like the food has to be tiny mm-hmm. and she just follows people very literally. And then everyone gets annoyed at her a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the, over the course of the, the show, the, she doesn't change, but people realize that she doesn't have to change. And that's the kind of journey that she goes on. Mm-hmm. And, there was a, and when I read that she was actually autistic, I just burst into tears because I was just like, oh, I thought I could see that. And they did that mm-hmm. deliberately and that means so much. Mm-hmm. And then one step up, I watched this online live show called Dimension 20, which is like a Dungeons and Dragons live game. And one of the characters in there, like a, one of the en- the non-playable characters who ran this big library was a, like, you know, the guy's like, she's autistic. And like she, he kind of like, and she was, this again, she was a very interesting, like intelligent person who was like, you know, also like didn't understand social cues and was very blunt but also very worried about getting it wrong. Like, did I get this right? Did I do that right? Am I correct in assuming this is what you wanted from me? Okay, good. Let's go. And just all these things that just felt so relatable. And so I think seeing that kind of representation where we get to it's not a suffering story. It's not a story about how hard it is to live yes. our lives. And it also and like it's just about the fact that we live lives and this is a part of them. Exactly. It's it, it, it means it changes, it really does change things.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah it's like um sorry no I can say it's like um on on the L word Generation Q with that there's that girl in the wheelchair um and I just love it that she's just there and it's like it's not a huge storyline it's just that she's there and that's it and I'm just like thank God that's you know someone's like that um and um and even like remember um what was it called um, the OA, did you watch the OA? Uh, no, I did not. I heard ah, about it. It's, it's amazing. I, I was devastated. I was hoping that season three was <laughs> coming out and that they were joking about being cut, but anyway, there's a woman in there and she's like, she's an English actress, I can't think of her name, but yeah, again, she's just in the storyline and she's fantastic. Like she's intelligent as hell and she's just in the storyline and it's, it's not about a disability and it just. Oh, just Seeing those kind of things, mm. it just it, yeah, it's really exciting to see it and it not be a huge like oh you know this is a person a, a character in a wheelchair or you know yeah for whatever it's just it just isn't normalised and it's just wonderful to see yeah. yeah yeah but I
1: did notice that we both <laughs> made a point of saying that the character portrayals were intelligent and I was kind of like it's that sense isn't it it's still mm. like there's still that like um yeah it's it's tricky I always think of like you know Forest Gump and like that idea for the I feel like that became the pretty big standard for a lot of disability representation that was seen as wholesome was yeah, um, yeah. and I think as well like a lot of the time our intellect is what we have to prize ourselves on because it's the one part of us that's considered to be productive yeah and sellable, and I guess like i I'm still trying to re- check myself about when I'm too focused on 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 intelligence mm-hmm. as a as a way of proving my worth to people. Oh, but I've it's done that before. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so hard. Like it's so hard. Like often because it feels <clears> like <throat> the minute that you mention any kind of disability you then have to quickly prove that you're mm. very capable. Like very yeah. quickly prove that you're capable. Mm. And um to disprove any doubts. It's just yeah. It's it's just it's a tie, It's a tie. Yeah. It's a lot of just kind of trying to juggle and guess the assumptions someone might be making of you, yeah, um, and what you have to do to counteract it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as someone who like I used to get told a lot that I don't seem autistic mm-hmm. and um or that I must be very, very high functioning right. and all that kind of stuff, which is really common, and I think people kind of mistake like like i have like maybe I have support needs. Mm-hmm. that i that i am met because I have supportive parents, but like mm-hmm. I have support needs, and if they're not met, then my life does not function yeah um very well and um but there, there's that sense of like oh, if I can be like a good conversationalist uh you know, then people assume that I'm totally fine across all aspects of my life because I've proven to them that I'm enough like them that they can't imagine anything else happening. Mm. Um, And I think there's that sense of also trying to remove me from the autistic thing. It's like, oh, but you seem like someone who I could, like, know very well. I'm like, yes, you probably know autistic people. We are Mm. everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) And I think there's that sense of particularly when you have an invisible disability, um, you know, that people just kind of will try and find ways to reduce it or, like, before mm-hmm. i was a you know, i was autistic i was just really weird and then when i say I'm autistic I'm like oh you're really normal I'm like you didn't think i was normal before i was diagnosed don't mm-hmm. think i'm normal now <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah 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 like t- talking about like that um intelligence side of things uh be- when i was in high school my, uh, because of the subjects that i had to choose I wanted to choose other the subjects and was told no you're not going to get the assistance if you choose those subjects because they're not subjects that will get you into the career that you'll be doing um let's not go there but anyway um yeah so my, my TER was the second lowest in all of year 12 so I ended um and so I just I, I assumed that I was dumb as shit yeah <laughs> and yeah so and then when i was at that time when i got sick and i was working um i decided to enroll in uni and so i enrolled just with a bachelor of arts and at mature age picked up philosophy because that was always something that interested me and that's when yeah. i found you know, i found anthropology as an elective and i start, <laughs> i remember i got a d and i was doing it off campus i got the d in the mail i read the d it was in red and i cried because i thought oh my god i've got a d um you know, like D as in high school, and then I yeah, think well, D yeah. means distinction. I'm just like, whoa, yeah, okay, really well. and
1: then
0: yeah, and so because, and then so, I, and it was just, it wasn't that I was just doing really well because like, I love the subject as well. I mean, everybody, anybody who knows me knows that if I get onto the topic of anthropology, I, I won't shut up because I just love it so much. Um, but yeah, so for me to like finally have achieved that, it really so that, of, yeah. It, uh, came out my identity because of the fact that it's like, oh, my God, I found something that I'm good at. And
1: well, I think it yeah. really was having those external confirmation that you're good at something because mm. often like I find like I still really I want validation. Like I want to know that I'm doing it right or that yes. I'm good at something because yeah. I don't necessarily trust my own instincts on that anymore because yeah. I assume I'm I'm terrible at everything. Like I do assume that about most things that I do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think it's that sense of like a part of honestly, and like maybe this is going a little bit of a tangent, a part of disability support is positive validation because we will assume that we are not doing a good job because that's kind of the feedback we've been getting for most of our lives. <laughs> and I think like it's that sense of like, it's instantly just like, hey, can you just tell us that we're good? Can you just tell us that we're good? Every yes. Again? We just have like a sense of, by the way, doing a great job. Like, I would love that. Like, it would be so nice. Um, but like, I, I, think, yeah. It's. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm. Thank you for sharing that story. That's really sweet. Uh,
0: um, it reminds me of like I feel like I'm Lisa Simpson. Remember that episode where she's like, she's she couldn't go to school, and then so mm-hmm. she's following them around, going, "Please validate me." like you know, <laughs> can you, uh, and that that's totally. Yeah, that has yeah. totally been me. I mean, in these last couple of years starting the business, um, mm-hmm. I've, I've actually, I've moved away from that, um, which is good. Like I, I, I can't, when I look back at who I was and now I'm just like, that's surprising to see the difference. But yeah, totally. That was me. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
1: but like, I think that, that that's like a part of why I really, I really encourage anyone who's listening to, to, to find ways to like get involved with like local peer groups and stuff, because mm-hmm. I think I found advocacy because I had a very low sense of self-worth. Mm-hmm. And if I, couldn't, but if I couldn't fight for myself, I could fight for people like me because mm. I felt very strongly about that. Yeah. And over time that led to me having a stronger sense of self-respect mm-hmm. because you, know, you reach a certain point where you're just like, I can't, it is illogical to have all these beliefs that apply to everyone I know except for myself mm. you know that's just that's uh that doesn't make any sense yeah I think as well when you know that you're doing things for your communities it does kind of make you feel more confident to be in them like mm-hmm. as a bi person it can feel weird going into spaces that are quite gay and quite like or like lesbians so like there's a lot of I've been questioned since I was like 16 about if I should be allowed to go into spaces or if people would actually date me because I was bisexual okay and so, um, yeah it's just that's an interesting, interesting debate, debate. Um, it is. What? It's just like people really believe that gender is the ultimate thing around attraction. Because it's been policed about attraction so much, right? It was about the gender of your partner and who you were having sex with. Mm. And when you're a bisexual person, unless you're polyamorous, that's one person. And so the fact that you could have like attraction to more than one gender, that then you're dating someone. So it doesn't mean you always want someone. And also we still just really struggle as a society to raise people to believe that you can be friends with genders that you have the potential to feel attraction to without it being like. You know, we we have like you see people like having fake weddings for their six year olds because a girl is good friends with a boy. They go, "Let's get them married. They're going to get married." It's like (laughs) this idea that you know, if you you, if you're with someone of a gender you might have attraction to, you will be attracted to them, Mm -hmm. and so that's why bisexual people can never have any friends because we're just attracted to everybody all the time, constantly. Mm -hmm. We're not. But you know, it was I by by doing work around bisexuality, by doing like the podcast that I do and the show I do and. By doing advocacy and talking about it and doing some general awareness raising mm. but also by getting to like be trusted and to see a lot of people in like a lot of plus people start to open up in like Facebook groups and in other like online spaces around mm. how they were feeling about what our experiences were like it meant that if I was being questioned in spaces that I went to I no longer felt like that was a problem that I had I felt it was a problem that they had mm-hmm. so someone's just like oh but do bisexual people really stick around I'm like you I don't care like you're the, like well probably not with you if that's how you talk to us like you know <laughs> yeah uh, maybe not but it, it no longer felt like i would i should be ashamed and leave it made me annoyed but it didn't mm-hmm. make me feel ashamed or like i was intruding mm-hmm. and i think uh that was a lot of through just doing volunteer work and i think um like also it can really it feels good to give you know being mm-hmm. do acts of kindness and acts of generosity have a positive impact on the person who receives them, on the person who makes them and anyone who observes the act, you know. It makes us feel better about people in general. And so I think um, practising generosity doesn't need to mean that we, um, you know, that we kind of uh, are overly thankful for people doing the bare minimum. It does mean that we get to appreciate the things that we do have in our lives. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a a really important thing that I, I also learned from doing a lot of work in peer spaces and having connections to people who you know, we have these intrinsic life experiences in common, whether it's being bi, whether it's being non-binary, whether it's being autistic, whether it's being a huge nerd and playing a lot of Dungeons and dragons, Like you know, yeah, it's yeah. nice to have those kind of points of uh, of commonality.
0: Yeah. I have to think, um, talking about like um representation, like in just going into all of this, um, did you watch Schitt's Creek?
1: I did watch Schitt's Creek. Oh I my God.
0: Oh, oh my okay.
1: god. I watched it twice. I watched it by myself and I watched it with my parents.
0: Oh. Okay, now I'm going to start getting It's I could, it was I could, very special. Oh, I could not stop crying. I couldn't believe that this show would make me laugh and make me cry and what I loved about it was how it explained things Well, I don't it explained things so well. Um Yeah. I feel like it really for me like you know because yeah these these are topics that you know I'm still trying to get my head around because I'm not in that yeah. space so like You're having like
1: the wine and the label kind of conversation oh
0: and it was do very but was that the one where Johnny was sitting down with um I can't think of the guy's name the mayor yes and he and he's explaining about his son being pansexual that was like for me listening to that like seeing that i thought that is such a it was the best way to explain i feel like the best way to explain it and it just sort of made everything uh, yeah i mean obviously i'm not not being um excuse me got a cord wrapped around me now yeah Uh, yeah, um yeah it was such a, a great Ed, ed, yeah what, what was really piece. special yeah. I think
1: what was really special about Shit's Creek in how it did LGBTIQ inclusion mm-hmm. was that it, prov- it provided a look into a world where there was never any pain because somebody was queer yes like it it, it showed that they had maybe gone through some like David had a lot of anxiety problems yeah and had a lot of issues with friendship and it obviously had some shitty relationships mm-hmm. but so had Alexa so it wasn't like just because he was a pansexual guy mm-hmm. uh, and also I think What really struck me, and I'm going to get emotional about it, was like, you know, showing the coming out story of someone who realises that they're gay or bi later in life. Yeah. And still, and and that kind of, but also that fear, which I think people don't really understand very well that we can be very sure our parents will be supportive of us, but there is still a chance that, but the, the fact is that we also know that, when you come out as an LGBTI, when you come out as gay, as bi, as trans, there is a chance that love will become conditional. Yeah. And I think um, that fear yeah. is so real because there's always that sense of what if it doesn't go the way I want it to go? Because that, mm-hmm. like, there is a, and I think when you live with a chance of being rejected by, when basically when you grow up knowing that love will never be unconditional or it might never be unconditional for you, it does a lot of stuff to your senses of, you know, love yourself and trust yeah. and, and worth and judgment and fear and anxieties. Mm. And so I think the way that they handled that story, that made me cry so much. Oh. Because, um, not, not just because Patrick's parents look a like my own parents, but like there was oh. like a, just like I think the way that they would just, um, his fear and how they articulated why he was afraid, mm-hmm. I think that kind of captured a moment that hasn't really been discussed outside of queer spaces. And yeah. it also kind of showed what you want the reaction to be. And I think I remember when I was watching it with Mum, and there's a scene where david and like david and stevie his friend from the store who's like you know who's a woman like they both uh are looking at the same guy yeah. and and the guy and like and, they, and they're both sure that this guy's flirting with them and then david goes outside with him and my mum was just like oh no is something horrible going to happen you know is <laughs> someone is someone going to bash david up is this is this gonna be a prank? Because for her yeah. and you know, that would be that was something that she was afraid of happening because it's what mm. she'd seen before and what we've lived through with my brother being gay and, and my own experiences, right? And so mm. the fact that was that the fact that, that didn't happen, the fact that at no point did that happen, yeah, that you could actually release that kind of slight tension you had of are they going to make this painful for us? Yeah. Um and I think but that just showed again, it's that sense of it wasn't it was a plot point. It was a minor one. What was important was the relationship and the people, and these are parts of who they were as people. Yeah. And I want that for I want that for us as well. I want people with disabilities. I want us to. Yeah. I want people to see what it would be like if we lived in a world where this wasn't such a fucking big deal. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's what. I, that, that, that's the thing I loved about it. It wasn't a big deal. It was just that's what it was. And
1: are you crying? Because I've got to make uh, me cry. <laughs> I, I,
0: I am because I'm because the next yeah. thing I'm thinking about was um okay because like I'm a, I'm a nerd as well um 12, 12 monkeys did you watch that the oh. TV series okay there's so the movie 12 monkeys is a TV series 12 monkeys and um I'm just trying to get on my thoughts right now um okay I've totally blanked on her name and I feel horrible right now um but the girl who played Stevie in mm-hmm. Emily Hampshire okay yep. emily hampshire she played a character in 12 monkeys and it was amazing so anything that she does from now on i just ha- i can't stop She's watching great. um but yeah I like, like so when i saw like so i watched them. Um, uh, yeah watched, uh, like pat patrick and um um i have not what's his name i'm thinking dan because that's, david david yeah so patrick and david when when, when they did that thing in the shop where they sang Yes. Like, oh my God, that that got me in tears. But then like after it had finished, um, mm. that final episode where they all sat around the table and read the letters about what it meant to people.
1: The little documentary oh. where they had like the, the mums kind of all writing. And I, well, I think that was a part of it. It was, and it's about hope, right? It's yeah. about seeing a version of the world that assures yeah. us that there is a positive that we can't so I'm to, you're making me cry now I <laughs> sorry that's okay. no 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 it's okay I, I I'm, I'm a big crier and I think that was exactly it it was it's imp- so important for us that I, I can see why if you're raising kids like why you would want to know that there are people who are saying here's what the world can be because that's what you want your kids to have yeah and I think it's the same like that's what we want to have and I find yeah. like you know, it's what we, uh, and I think that can also be the source of anger. Anger for me often comes because I know we can do better. Mm. Like I know that we are capable because I've seen it yes. and I've lived it and I've yeah. been part of it and I've witnessed it in other spaces. I know we can get accessibility right if we try. I know we can, like, you know, really <laughs> yeah. rethink how we instantly think of disabled in our own minds. Like mm-hmm. I know that these things are all entirely possible, and that's the hardest thing sometimes because, isn't it? Weight can just feel. It just—it's excruciating it, just to be because like, how do you do better than this?
0: And yeah, and how do you explain this is my thing? How do you explain it to everybody else that it can be done? It's like because like they, yeah. they think that because we get, you know, and I—I I harp on this, I, I like you know, I talk about accessibility because everyone goes, oh, we know there's ramps and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, yeah, sure, you can get into places, but this isn't it. That's not what. Accessibility is yeah. like it's just so much yeah. more, and how do you explain to people what it is? Like, yeah, well,
1: yeah, it's that sense of like understanding that accessibility is allowing people, like all people, to be able to participate fully, yeah, um, you know, uh, without impediment, mm. um, you know. And I think to fully understand that, it's like, okay, so I could go to this one thing, but um, you know when you think of disability, and I think a part of it is because I often think it's like, you know, how the sign for disability is person in a wheelchair, right? It's one of those mm. visual cues for disability. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so then you're kind of like, when you start to say, cool, I need you to turn the lights off mm. for me. Mm. And they're like, what? Like, why? I'm like, because very, I'm very sensitive to sensory. I've got a lot of sensory sensitivities mm. and overhead direct fluorescent lighting will take, it'll take my brain a significant amount of power to continue to process without mm. that just, taking up most of my mind yeah, um, and caused me a lot of distress. I'm like, well, that doesn't, it's just the light. I'm like, yes, but it's just a ramp. Mm. You know, like mm. the idea is that these are the fill-in spaces. And I think um, we still, I think it's accessibility is tricky because like people also like will kind of ask individuals to be like, well, you're like, you know, uh, you do this, like you're also on disability, what should we do in this case? I'm like, I have, this is my disability, mm. if you want, if you want a broad assessment, you need to pay people. Yes, that time, and that, that's a whole other thing. Like, don't oh. even get me freaking started on people not thinking that we're worth time or money. Oh,
0: how many times have i been asked? Oh. I'm like, yeah, I just ask
1: you things for free. It's really, it's really bizarre. Like how there's that assumption of our, our, our time and our work. And like, yeah. I, I'm not a huge fan of capitalism in a general sense because again, any system that derives our worthiness to access, like you know to live based mm. on how, much, how productive we are and based on and who decides what's valuable in these societies. Mm. It's never empathy, it's never empathy. Yeah. Like, you know, um, they tend to like, it, it's not a great system, but yeah. it's also that sense of, in that system, the fact that the work and time and skills of people with disabilities being so massively just devalued from the get-go mm. is, is difficult because there's still a lot of us who will do work for free until, yeah. because if you, because we don't necessarily like we're just happy to have an opportunity, and it's that sense mm. of also us recognizing how we can, you know, what people don't, you know, they've shown like this. I think it's the Shivas, the Shivas Royal, like experiment where they basically it was a cheapest whiskey. They raised the price. They priced it like a luxury good, and it sold better. People do value things when they pay for them, and if they don't want to pay you, mm. it means that they are all just like, well, why we don't need to. And I yeah. found that, like, you know, and I, I think it um it also just sets precedent for like what we're worth. Yeah, and um. And, and what really we tricky. think we're
0: worth. Like, that's and the other thing. How much time,
1: yeah. And also, how much time it takes, like, to talk about accessibility, we mm-hmm. have to unpack the barriers we've faced in our own lives. Mm-hmm. We have to unpack them and examine them. And often, a lot of these things are traumatic, but we yeah, have to examine exhausting. them. Yeah. And do that, and, like, and then look at the systemic issues that have created those barriers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, find evidence to back them up to learn how to articulate to people who don't have the same lived experience in a way that they will still emotionally engage with and respond to. Mm-hmm. That takes a huge amount of time and effort and skill. Yeah. And so it's not like, um, you know, it's not just like we, it's not just, yeah. If they, they expect us to know a lot, they don't understand that for us to, to know all that. We've done a yeah. lot of work.
0: And um, Yeah, and I, I face as well, like people, um, you know, I'll start sharing certain things, but they want—they want to know more. But they want to know more for free, and it's like yeah. that. And then when you, when you sort of broach the subject about paying, it, you're kind of like treated like, "Oh, well, you're a bitch, aren't you?" Like that, that's there like, is
1: like the level of and like, "Why would we pay yeah. pay you? Yeah, pay you?" It's like, "Well, yeah, yeah. It's like a it's, <laughs> it's because the, like this is stuff that I've looked into for you. This is mm. my time."
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: but I think it's that sense of because we need them to take it on to survive. It's sense of like, well, you know, you want this to happen. I'm like, yes, I do want it to happen. Yes. But, you know, the issue is that, you know, that means you're blackmailing me and that's not fun either. <laughs> no,
0: no, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh. it,
1: it, it's a tricky space. It's a tricky space. I think the effort of needing to, like, humanise ourselves but also have self-respect, it's really mm-hmm. hard. Um, but, um, yeah, mm. I think But it's also... I think going back to what before about how do you convince people it's getting better. I think it's that sense of the more that we know about where we've come from, like we're a mm-hmm. short-minded, like when it comes to our own senses of history. And I think, like you know, the more that we're aware of the progress that's been made, the more we can actually understand and appreciate the continuous nature of that progress. And yes. Then, you know, much like when you're in a car that's moving very fast, you don't feel like you're moving fast. Mm. You know, unless, you, especially when you're looking straight ahead, mm. you just see the road looks the same it's until you look back and be like oh we've come a really long way that you can actually appreciate where we have come from and I think um you know the fact that we can have these discussions now the fact that disability consultation is a thing you know the fact that like when you look at what was happening in like even just the 70s in the 90s you know like uh, my diagnosis was missed but the understanding of autism was not the same and it wouldn't have been I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have been diagnosed under Mm -hmm. the current diagnostic criteria and stuff you know so it's just that it's that weird sense of of like It is getting easier or at least it's getting better. And, uh, but that is because we are working very, very hard, <laughs> and so um and I think that the more people kind of can see that and feel empowered in themselves that they are like you know the more people with disabilities know that they are worth standing up for and advocating for themselves, yeah the more the more that we actually as individuals say, no I do deserve better than this, and I deserve respect mm. um, and I think that you know the more that that people recognize that's a problem, yeah you know, I think yeah. back of how, you know with the LGBTIQ community, it wasn't until the gaps like how quickly that changed like in like in 2005 or whatever like when like when oh 2007 whenever John Howard changed the marriage law to explicitly make it a crime or not a crime but illegals people of the same gender to be married mm-hmm. which was like done in like when I was in high school and um and people were just like oh look we're not going to see marriage equality for years and then like by you know and even in like 2004 I think or 2000 like um when like marriage equality the groups were starting and the protests were starting people just like it's never going to happen within five years they're like why hasn't it happened this is ridiculous you know like Mm -hmm. it's incredible how quickly our sense of what should be can change Mm -hmm. when we are exposed to people who reveal the unfairness that they have to deal with in their lives and I think um, you know so as much as that's frustrating and exhausting and at times really you know disappointing because we that sense of I You know, um, like the Black Lives Matter rallies were just that big reminder. People have people have shared pain over and over and over again, and there still hasn't been enough systemic Mm -hmm. action. Because, um, but you know, I think the same with this. There is progress being made in disability rights. Uh, I just, you know, we have we are protected under the Human Rights Charter. There is just, I think we we have to empower our. We have, I think, not have to, but what I think needs to happen is our own communities, resilience, building and empowerment. And I think we should be supported in that. And it should be seen as a priority by a lot of disability Mm. organisations. They're all like, oh, community connections on the NDIS. I'm like, yeah, but connection with what community? Like, You know, I want to connect with other people. And sometimes it will just be to sit around and trash out the NDIS, you know. -hmm. Um, But I think think our abilities to advocate become a lot stronger when we get to remember that we're not alone Mm. and that... Yeah, You know, uh, I always think about how women are much more likely to report sexual assault if there's a fear that the person will hurt somebody else.
0: Okay, wow.
1: And I mm. think about that a lot when it comes to advocacy. It's much easier for us to stand up when when somebody else like us is being hurt. Yeah. And I think,
0: mm-hmm. and I yeah. think
1: the more that we can recognise that by saying or by being more, like you know, by, by, by doing the work to being able to say I'm, I'm a person with disability or I'm a disabled person, um Mm. and uh and i do deserve better yeah i think um i think the better there are a lot of incredible activists to be like you can follow on instagram Mm. on tiktok on twitter you know on facebook there's a lot of really incredible people who have helped me a lot in just really shoring up that it's okay to be to like you know that not only is it okay like it's like it's okay to be angry sometimes you know it's okay to be Mm. disgruntled it's Mm. okay to to there there are so many problems and that we can and should be doing better yeah how also that we are getting there and that the more of us that are pushing the faster it happens yes um and that if people aren't sure of how to start that's gotten easier too because of social media and the internet and everything mm. um so i really recommend people use like those channels to kind of start to join community groups and start to really do reading and understand like you know the um like you know the history is happening there like i've learned a lot around like just the deaf history and when you know, when like when sign language was basically banned in certain spaces for wow. hundreds, yeah, which meant that like people like that a lot of deaf teachers were suddenly out of work, and so it kind of took it was a huge fight to get Auslan reinstated as a recognised language. But even now, you know, wow. in Victoria, which has a a human rights like a human rights charter, like culture is uh, like I, I was talking about like you know well, what about deaf culture? And they're like, oh, well, has to have a language. I'm like, deaf culture has a language, mm-hmm. you know. And what why is this not defined as culture? And this is. And I think it's just all that sense of, you know, um that's just one example, but I think it, like, you know, there's autistic culture as well. But I think um and like and wheelchair culture. Like we have cultures. We mm-hmm. have like histories and like, you know, and even just like trends and 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 everything and uh and lingo and language. Um but I think having those things really recognised as, like, legitimate and authentic and, and relevant mm. is still, like, it still seems a very niche space and I think that sense of if you want to learn human, if you want to learn, like, about humanity, you, you need to learn about if all kinds of people. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Anyway, and I think
1: I think that's like been waffling on for ages. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm just thinking
0: like talking about like as you remember how you were talking about like having those motivational speakers come in and talk about disability for disability awareness yeah. kind of thing. I think yeah. what really needs to happen is yeah, disability awareness needs to have those people coming in. Sure, talk about some of that stuff, but needs to be around that that whole thing about like not disability awareness of what a person can do, but disability awareness about what's been happening and as a society where it's all situated. I think that's probably that's I think that's where disability awareness has failed. It really needs to sort of have that so people understand it and understand where we're coming from more and so that we won't have to get so bloody angry when we're, you know, yeah oh
1: I think I think advocacy is always about being a bit angry like if we weren't yeah. angry we wouldn't have any fuel like you know yeah, anger is true. what tells us things aren't right yet you know yeah so it's like um yeah but I think it's also like you know get angry then get organized and don't use that anger on people around you and, re- and recognize that anger is systemic structures and so occasionally yeah. individuals but it's mostly structural
0: that's it um, yeah I find myself getting angry at people when they say things and then thing. I'm just like I've got to stop that because it's not that Their fault. It's what they've been taught, okay, to say.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and and I think it's like it's that sense of also recognizing that a lot of reporting and stuff is generated on making us feel outraged, and so Mm -hmm. acting on the outrage, uh, you know, it's um, it's it's what we're being programmed to do. But if you can take a second and be like, that's frustrating, yeah, that's really frustrating, and I'm sad about it, and I'm sad about it because it means that you don't know yet, and that means that you're not doing the right thing yet, and like. There's a sense of like you know honouring the feeling yeah. without kind of um acting on it. It's but it's it's hard and it's hard to do all of that work all the time. And I think that's part mm. of like I just saw an article now about how Victorian prisoners with intellectual disabilities are facing internal disciplinary hearings and receiving punishments without special support. So they don't know what's happened or why it's happening, and that's because. So I just read that and my feelings are you know I'm getting worked up about it mm. and. Uh, but i'm also just like you know and that's because the coronavirus pandemic has made advocacy harder people just feel like it's not important but the outcomes of that mm-hmm. are, tra- are really horrifying because a lot mm-hmm. of people in, like people with intellectual disabilities are massively over policed um and so yeah it's that sense of that's frustrating but mm-hmm. me just looking at that and wanting to like or rip things to shreds or just flip over my desk i have to kind of then kind of keep breathing through it and read what's happening, like, you know, kind of like figure out what I need, to, if I should do something with this information, if I should be sharing it, if I should be contacting somebody. And I can't do that if my first response is to is to yell.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And is
1: that fair? No, I want to yell. Mm. That would be nice. But, mm. um, and I don't know, I'm not sure if that's a helpful thing to say, though, because it's that sense of like, don't feel angry. No, feel angry. Be furious. Well,
0: I, I think, yeah, people, I th- and, and, like it's funny i've got an article, i've I've got a list of blog articles that I want to write, and one is about the angry disabled person because like yeah as soon as you get angry as a disabled person um it's like I'll oh, just get up the, everyone will be like, just get over it, you know like you know, all that's, oh, that's the kind of attitude that I've caught, just get over it, and it's like well or angry for a reason, you know, and I used to, I mean, I remember before I got into all of this, and this was when I was internally ableist, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to be like those angry disabled people. But now I am because I understand what the hell disabled people were going going through.
1: Oh, like that, that's the feminist thing, right? Like I don't want to be an angry feminist. I don't want to yeah. be like one of those angry, just like, oh, I am. And yeah. like, if you're not angry, it's because you're, yeah. it's. I think it's difficult. Like I... Because I think there are a lot of things that getting in touch with the disability community and being autistic that I love about myself and about my life. Yes. So I, I try and like, I try and hold that balance too because I think if you don't, it can get really depressing. Mm-hmm. And also it can like, you know, burn me up a bunch. Like, you know, I can burn out. I can get really cynical. Mm-hmm. I can find it really hard to see any like hope or any positivity or mm-hmm. I feel any gratitude. And I think that's usually a big sign for me that I need to ease up a bit because, yeah. um it can be there is so much to do even and it is happening at a rate that is not ideal but um I think you know I was told by a friend of mine that you know it's so important that we don't martyr ourselves as well because that's also kind of people expect from us Mm -hmm. in so many ways Mm -hmm. and so I think like it's easy to fall into that narrative because it's such a strong one Mm -hmm. um that you know we kind of uh that we have to um work so hard to prove that we're worthy <laughs> and we are worthy we are intrinsically worthy yeah um, yeah and and like while we and it's hard when you have to prove it to other people but I think when you know that yourself or at least when you know that you should know it because I don't always feel like I'm a worthy person
0: I, am, I just I'm, the and, same. Yeah,
1: I'm just <laughs> yeah. aware intellectually that if when I'm not feeling like that that you know I shouldn't be acting on that yes if it's not Mm-hmm. yeah like yeah. you know um and like, that's taken a long time like you know i mean in some ways lockdowns helped like over 100 days of lockdown <laughs> such a long time you know like a lot of a lot of introspection a lot of meditation because a lot of stress and a mm-hmm. lot of feeling overwhelmed and really mm-hmm. recognizing that i have to that you know yeah that we have to kind of be able to be in tune with when like our own. like i can feel like i am no good or i can feel like i'm not doing enough or that i have let things go, um, mm. but you know it doesn't mean like. And but then it's a matter of feeling that and recognizing that feeling in myself, mm. but not necessarily then continuing to push myself into exhaustion. Mm. Yeah, it's just that sense of actually just being like I. My therapist once told me to look at it like um, my brain is a boardroom. You know, like that movie Inside Out where you had like the happy and sad and disgust and fear mm. and anger yes. and the people yes. pushing the little the emotional circuit board. It's like that, but like anxiety or kind of you know self criticism is one voice at the table and they're there to give you your risk analysis. They're there mm. to point out all the potential things that could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And they are there to do that to protect you. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just that they want, and, like, and it's that sense of recognizing, rather than just be like, well, I guess we'll just let them talk for the whole meeting and tell us all the ways that I could mess this up. Mm-hmm. Um, like, thank you so much for your report. I really <laughs> appreciate that. We're gonna listen to some other voices now. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Anxiety. Thank you, self-deprecation. That was great. Next up, we've got optimism. Optimism. The floor's yours. Thank you. And like you know, it's just that little trick. It's just that way of kind of recognizing that that is not the only voice in my head. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. it's a.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. I've, this has been so fascinating. I just like there's so, and there's there's like so many things I'd still love to go on about. But I wanted to ask you. though um, I ask every guest is the 10 things that pe- you'd like people to know about disability. And I'd love to know what your 10 things are.
1: I think I've like touched on the base of them, but let's see if I can quickly pull. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh gosh. I had some notes, sorry. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So I think the first one was that uh, for people to know uh, that people are used to not thinking about people with disabilities. It's, it's very natural. Uh, it's not in that, in the way we are socialized to not think about us. So you have to be conscious that, you know, you have to make a conscious effort. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's like you've got to retrain yourself because the way that you've been trained is wrong mm-hmm. for us. You know, it's wrong for us too. But uh yeah. Just that sense of we've been we've all been trained to not think about your disabilities. Mm. my internet connections unstable. I hate when that happens. No, um, it's <laughs> wrong Um, Also, my other thing is like many, many, many disabilities are not going to show up physically. Mm -hmm. And so don't assume people when they ask for like, oh, if people ask for accommodations, assume that they are telling you the truth as a matter of course, Mm -hmm. Uh, don't assume that they are making it up or trying to find an easy way out just because you see someone that looks like you and assume that they should be able to do everything that you can do. Mm -hmm. Um, Also our lives are not inherently tragic or inspirational. You know, we all have personal tragedy and personal inspiration, like every other human being on the planet. That's just life. But our lives are not inherently more tragic or more inspirational than anybody else's. Mm-hmm. Um, or well, at least they shouldn't be, you know. Yeah, it's like, oh but um,
0: you've overcome <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: well it's like yes, I have had to overcome so many things, but that just sucks because you have yeah. them there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Uh also uh access can seem overwhelming, but if you engage people with disabilities to work with you with it, it is much, it is a not nearly as complicated a process as you think. It yeah. is in depth because it does involve, re- it's like, you know, it is a top to bottom kind of yeah. examination that needs to be done. Yeah. But it's not overwhelming uh, if, because it's overwhelming because you don't know what you're doing. Find people who know what they're doing mm-hmm. <laughs> and then pay them for their time um, and, uh, and it will not seem like such an impossible task. Um, people with disabilities are more than what you see of us in media, that is getting better. Uh, we uh, also, people with disabilities are not all straight, they're not all white, they're not all cis, we're not all, uh, we, some of us have intersex variation, some of us are, come from different faiths, from different backgrounds, we, we exist everywhere uh, and we often have multiple identities that we coexist with. And disability is one of those entities mm-hmm. it might be the most visible one it might be the least visible one but uh it's still part of us but as is everything else and uh if you're only focused on someone's disability then you're going to miss out on every other part of them and you will not be able to help them very well or support them very well mm-hmm. um people might know uh, another thing uh disability our uh this is just a little awareness thing uh the minister in charge of the national and in- insurance scheme, write a book called in The Footsteps of Jesus. So he's not a huge fan of uh, a lot of people. So people should just be aware of that in general to wonder why the NDIS is maybe has a bit of a model.
0: Oh. Okay. Just giving a little interruption. Sheldon. Well, I'm sorry okay. about that. Little interruption. That's
1: okay. That's okay. We're very loud.
0: Yeah. Oh, very starting. Okay. That's okay what, what That's was right. the book that you
1: were saying oh uh, i'm just saying that the the minister stuart, Malcolm, stuart roberts like what's the name, stuart roberts mm-hmm. the minister who is in charge of both centrelink and the ndis yes. wrote a book called in the footsteps of jesus um and yeah. so his uh yeah his fundamentalist beliefs uh, involve you know the idea that people who are on centrelink are bludgers but also that people with disabilities God made it that way, you know, um, and so he also is massively against sex workers for, for people on the NDIS scheme. And so just, and that's cause that's his own view. So point is, there are a lot of, there is a deeply entrenched history of religious organisations with disability support mm-hmm. and it has drastically impacted on how people associate us with shame. Yes. And so there's something else to be aware of that when for a long time it's been the churches that have been in charge of, of looking after people with disabilities. There's a lot of shame around sex, around being different or wrong, because, you know, uh, shame is a big part of uh, people who don't fit into God's plan Mm -hmm. um, or don't live up to that kind of stuff, which is not ideal. Uh, disability: uh, 10 things to know, if you've met one person with a disability, you've met one person with a disability. (laughs) That's it. That's all you've done. We're all very different people Mm -hmm. (laughs) and disability is very different. uh, also, by the time someone's actually asking you for an access, it's already been gone. We've already gone over it in our minds multiple times, have weighed up the pros and cons of asking, mm-hmm. have considered if you are like what the chances are. So take it very seriously that we ask at all and recognize that if we feel like we if we're made to feel small or, or problematic or troublesome for asking and we don't ask again. It's uh, you have like there's no trust anymore, basically.
0: Can um, I just interject there because uh, I like to say, even though I work in the like, I talk about accessibility and that's the area I'm interested in. As a person, like as an individual, I hate asking for that. I feel like I'm imposing yeah. or being okay. an imposition. Yeah. yeah, so sorry. I just wanted to like, yeah, it's no, just I, interesting. I, I, I can do it to other, for other people, yeah. but having to yeah. do it for myself, yeah. it's
1: really hard. Yeah, well, because. I think um, and like I've had on point where I asked if you could like change the lighting in a room and the person, the thing was just like no just like they're kind of off the hand no. brushing it off because it it was those few extra seconds of recognizing that oh Ruby's asking Ruby's autistic it might be a sensory thing mm-hmm. but all they but there wasn't that you know giving it that extra second to kind of place the context on it mm-hmm. instead of just being like oh they're just trying to get like, that's just like, no, we can't fix that. Like, why, why would you ask? That's annoying mm, and frustrating yeah. and distracting. Mm. Um, and like, but again, like someone else jumped in and took care of it. But in that second, I was like, oh, you have just, I, um, I was scared to ask and this is exactly why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So just recognize that by the time people have actually asked, it takes a lot of, self-advocacy is really, really hard mm. um, and takes a lot of energy and effort. So if someone is asking um, or if someone is pointing out ways to make things more accessible, uh, they're not the problem, basically. We're not the problem if we ask. And especially if we ask while giving you a list of ways to make it better, we're helping you as much as we possibly could. Um, But it can feel, and if you feel frustrated or defensive, that's fair, but don't act on that. Mm. Just take a second to know how you would feel if you had to ask something else. Oh, that's yeah. my next point. I think I'm on six. Maybe I'm on seven. We're going to say seven. Um, if you don't like the idea of being disabled, then it means that you acknowledge that being disabled comes with a lot of problems. Most of those, by the way, are within your power to help things. So that one. I love that. Do that. I love that. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Uh, so if you find the idea of it so terrifying, maybe look into ways that would make it less terrifying because we live like this and, uh, there are ways to make our lives a lot easier. It's actually <laughs> not as hard as you think. And that way it wouldn't be so scary for you and you wouldn't try, and people wouldn't find, not you, not you listener, you're fine. But you know, it wouldn't be so scary for people to think about um, mm-hmm. if they knew that it's very possible to have a great life mm-hmm. uh, with a disability. Yeah. Um, I think another one is we need to be at the table. We mm-hmm. 100% need to be at the table. Uh, you can't decide for us. And not, again, I keep on saying you. People, uh, if any decisions that are involving us and actually decisions that involve broader community in general, should ensure that there are people with disabilities at those tables and not just the person that you know mm-hmm. or someone that you know might know somebody, somebody who has at least enough ties to community or at least enough understanding of different intersections to be able to, if you're going to just have one person, which you shouldn't because they can't speak, have two people. I'm just telling you how to do it right now. It's fine. You've got to have at least two people because if you've just got one, then they can't put things forward without it just being a single experience that no one else on the table can relate to. Mm-hmm. So you've got to have at least two people. Uh, to people with disabilities ideally different disabilities because they're all very, very different mm-hmm. um and in within that uh we should be uh, we should definitely be involved in all decision making around mm-hmm. ourselves mm-hmm. but also in decision making in general around border community because you know one like fifth uh one in five is that's twenty percent of the community is disabled yes, in general, twenty percent mm-hmm. of Australia is disabled, so twenty percent of all politicians should be disabled, twenty percent of all people around table should be disabled. it mm-hmm. should be across the board it's not. But just to give you an idea, that's the kind of numbers we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, and finally, people with disabilities can and often do have sex. Mm-hmm. Some of them are not. Some folks are ace, are romantic, or unfortunately, people don't get to have sex because people don't want to have sex with them. And that mm-hmm. sucks. Uh, in which case, why having sex workers on the NDIS would be awesome because sex workers do a lot of fantastic work with people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And they are disabled sex workers and they're also wonderful the people. Yeah. Um, and uh, particularly, yeah, uh, my brain just went to one of my favorite friends who, like, does work with the Solid Alliance, and is an autistic sex worker, and, and okay. a very cool human. Um, but yeah, uh, we we are not children. Um, we are not. We are more vulnerable. But they are, That's not. But not just intrinsically. We're more vulnerable mm. because of systemic problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that to the combination of religious organizations having a big part role in our care. Uh, as well as, you know, the Western kind of, you know, white Anglo culture of really not talking about sex and discomfort around sex in general, on top of people's general, um, just really, uh, to, uh, when you combine those two things, like when you combine our dislike of talking about sex, our the society generally having a big of an issue, seeing people with disabilities as adults mm-hmm. with like, you know, agency. Mm-hmm. And when you add a lot of religious, like, you know, um religious influence in how care is given. Um, you do tend to have a, like an intersection of, of, uh, of shame and of also just of, dis- of discomfort mm-hmm. uh, and other people just being deeply uncomfortable, uh, which I just think is important to recognize. If the idea of someone with disability having sex, you know, and then with people with intellectual disabilities, if the idea of people with intellectual disabilities having consensual sex makes you upset, mm-hmm. wonder why, and if it's because you're thinking of people with disabilities as children, then understand that that is pathologizing and while some of us do require huge amounts of support and to um to be and like and some of us there are some people who i know who won't be having sex in their life because they just don't have enough agency and that's also important but agency does not equal age mm-hmm. and someone doesn't have a lot of agency does not necessarily mean that they have the brain of a six-year-old no they don't They've mm-hmm. got their brain how many years they've been on this earth years 27 years 18 years it's not six it's their age don't Mm. be just it's disrespectful yeah um finally uh uh people disabilities we tend to take off less six sick days than anybody else in the workforce we tend to work way harder than a lot of other people so be kind to ourselves Mm. I think one of the most important things that we can do and one of the most radical things we can do is to understand ourselves and to ask what we need but, also, to really believe that we deserve it, yes, and that we deserve to take time off, and that we deserve to take breaks, and that often we can get feelings of worth through doing community based work, but if we don't feel worthy when we're just in our own downtime as well, maybe we should find ways to shore that sense of worthiness up and mm-hmm. if it's not unlike you know, and I think that's something that can really come through peer connection, it can also come through you know um, supportive counseling and therapy services. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of really great piece of focus. I just can't, I cannot, when I was diagnosed, I thought that, you know, the things I was capable of, like, I felt like something in my life had gotten a lot smaller when I look at where I am now and where I was before I was diagnosed, uh, I, it was the best thing that ever happened to me, mm-hmm. honestly, a hundred percent. Um, because I could understand myself and I could therefore know how to relate to people mm-hmm. as myself and I can make real connection with people. And I think that's something that has a, it's why I do the work I do because uh, we, we do deserve better. We mm-hmm. deserve a lot better. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that includes me, which sometimes feels weird, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we, um, we're pretty special. We've come a really long way. Finally thing is that uh, we have a really great history uh, if you, that is worth looking into uh, and has been across a lot of different areas. And a lot of different people have their own histories. But also, if you're not following or, you know, involved with any social, like if you use social media a lot uh, and, you, and you, sh- you should definitely follow some people with disabilities and advocates in that area because uh, also uh, it can be useful just to have things to send your friends when they ask you questions that you don't know how to answer or that feel like, you know, very intense. Yeah. Uh, you can just be like, well, actually, there's a great little thread about this on this person's Twitter. So go read that and then come back to me and that'll be great. Uh, and then put money in their patron if you've read their stuff because that takes time and work Um, Mm. but yeah I think uh, uh, being proud as a person with disabilities does not mean that you're proud of your disability it means that you're proud of yourself yes and and I think uh, I think that's a very important thing because we all have a lot to be proud of
0: Mm. yeah wow and like even just this this conversation there are so many quotes that you things that you've said that i'm just like oh my god it makes complete sense like things that you might oh, that have been inside so yeah like things that have been inside that i'm like i've not been able to figure out how to say those things and it's like oh my god that's it that's it so i'll be yeah like oh amazing
1: I'm so glad like I practice talking a lot (laughs) I feel that I had this interesting advantage of like as someone who spent most of my life not being understood or misunderstanding and vice Mm -hmm. versa yeah I feel like having to constantly explain myself meant that I have gotten quite good at breaking concepts down to explain yeah how do I explain what I'm going through right now let me just kind of put it in a context that is relatable Um, Wow! Yeah, it's been an interesting skill. But I'm I'm, honestly, it's a. I think that this podcast is is such a lovely, it's such a lovely thing. I think uh, we all deserve to be able to see and hear. uh, Particularly here, it's an auditory medium. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's really lovely to be able to like uh to hear different people from the communities talking and like you know um just to kind of hear conversations about from between people with disabilities, not just us being interviewed by somebody else. Yeah. Curious. Like I want to hear just tell me more about what it's like to be in a wheelchair.
0: It well that's off. it. Yeah, like I mean yeah. I've I have i I've only I guess like so yeah, growing up, because of the whole spine and Bifida community thing, I've only known people in wheelchairs. So yeah and so therefore it's only since I sort of since the NDIS getting started with advocacy around that that I've started to uh meet people who have different um conditions, I'll say. Yeah. Um yeah, and, yeah, and, and it's been fascinating because of like, I I, buy, I, I, I've been sold stereotypes, you know, we've all been sold stereotypes. So then actually speaking to people and seeing things for what they really are. That's just been, yeah, so it's, it's a fascinating thing. So I've really, yeah. 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 Oh. It's, it's, isn't it? Cause it,
1: I think like. I remember that I had that initial shock of just like, oh, I've been lied to, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh, wow. if I look up at the Wikipedia article of Aspergers, it says we haven't got a sense of humour. That's bullshit. I'm hilarious. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like stuff like that. I think. Um, yeah. I think it is really. It's it, it's true. And like, um, I I feel that it is like I am able to do what I do and have the things I have because of the decades of work that have gone. Like you know, I remember finding out that there was this. There's this, there was this essay written in 1993 called do not mourn for us and it was about an autistic person talking to parents about you know why they like why their their sense of grief when they had an autistic child like mm. to understand where that came from and why mm. it was kind of wrong yeah and to me to know that we were having these conversations and like in the 90s and earlier but like just to see that sense of I, it made me feel like it made me feel so proud yeah. of of knowing that we have actually been saying this for a long time. This isn't, this isn't new. This isn't a fad. Mm. We are, we're still going on about this. And it, while well, it's hard, but like it means that the more, the longer this has been going on, the bigger it gets. And I think it kind of, when you know that you're standing on something, that's pretty secure that it wasn't just like, you know, that you're not the first person that you're not going to be the last person, that yeah. you're just a part of what will be a push that will be going on for a very long time. Yeah. You know, I think, um, It's not, it's not our work to finish, but neither is it ours to walk away from.
0: No. And that's it. I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, and I guess for me, there's been a bit of a lot lot of imposter syndrome in that, um, even though I've got disability, I've started talking about it. So why didn't I talk about it earlier? Because, well, obviously, you know, and like, it was the internal ableism that I didn't want to have a virus. I didn't, yeah know, didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, yeah. I mean, I
1: I find we are good at, we are very good at finding ways to make the world fit into our emotional realities, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I don't feel like I'm worthy a lot of the time. I am often able to create quite complicated justifications for that, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's because, oh, well, the only reason I'm here is because of, of my privilege. Um yeah yeah and th- and that, but the thing is that sense of then of like nothing I've done that is been like rewarded or has been taken well is actually mine yeah. so that's all luck
0: yeah and all
1: that was really doing was justifying you know, was kind of making the world fit what I feel, which is often that I'm not good at things. Mm. So, you know, it was that sense of that doesn't actually fit reality at all. I was just trying to find ways to make it fit. It's, yeah. like, the, it's like the confirmation biases that we hear and talked about with stuff like climate change or any articles that we read. We're attracted to things that suit ourselves and like suit what we already believe. And when we've got disabilities, a lot of us don't believe that we are. We don't really believe that we are as good as other people because mm-hmm. we're not treated like we are. Yeah. And so often we'll find ways to justify that on an inter- on a personal way, being like, well, I'm just like, I'm just not as clever at that, or mm-hmm. oh, I'm just lucky, or I don't really know what I'm doing. And they're all going to discover I'm actually, te- I'm not, I'm like, you know, even though you've done all this time, setting up your work and doing all this huge <laughs> amounts of work to do this, yeah. Uh, you know, there's still that sense of, well, I still have this feeling. So what are the new things I can use to prove this feeling is real? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: And it's, it's it's hard. It's really hard. Like you oh. know, it's um. And I just think it's also that like if you're people with disabilities, like we have to having self-respect in a world that still really does openly debate our right to exist is really hard.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: and to be, you know, we have to be gentle um, yeah. with ourselves, especially.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, what I want Thanks to do. Oh no, it's been, it's been an amazing talk and it's going to be so many things so after I, I'm sure because I, I'll be putting this up on YouTube so that the captions can go on Um, and I'm sure I'll be like, yeah, okay, I need to follow that up more. So I've, I've got to ask you, where can people find you on social media and follow all oh. your stuff?
1: Oh, look, I um on social media. You can find me on Twitter at susan. I think it's 29. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, but I don't like, I don't post a lot about my stuff.
0: Okay. Know?
1: Yeah. Like, um but I think RubySussen twenty nine is probably the best place, like my or you can follow me on Zip Facebooks, mm. which is uh Ruby I think just RubySusan again. Oh my god, I'm not good at plugging myself. See this is my own thing. I'm just
0: like Okay, well, well, well,
1: yeah, it's RubySusan oh, like- Um and yeah. See, I'm better at that you can find my podcast uh, joy.org.au forward slash triple bypass you can also find us on instagram at triple bypass joy and on facebook at triple bypass uh and it's every week uh we're available on all streaming platforms I think I think we sort of stuff out with spotify they were mad at us for a while but I think we're good now <laughs> um I and I think you can hear me be a quirky person there all the time because I just like I mentioned being autistic relatively regularly but it's also just like I'm an autistic person talking, so at times it's awkward and quirky, and that's fine. It's all good. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, and you can follow my Facebook is ruby.susan.16. Um, if you want to follow there, I. Um, and I think as well, like if you want to understand like, the work I'm doing, you can find out more about work that's happening in the LGBTIQ disability space by mm-hmm. um, signing up to Pride Foundation Australia's newsletter, which you can do at their website, like pridefoundation.org.au. Um, and you can also find out by, I think, uh, in the next few months, uh, you can find more stuff available through Thorn Harbour, uh, which is the Victoria, or formerly the Victorian AIDS Council, and through the National LGBTIQ Health Alliance, uh, and through Deakin uh, Deakin's uh, Sexuality and uh, Disabilities Research Project, which is coming out. So check out Dr Amy O'Shea as well, uh, because she's, and also Nathan Despot. They're both activists uh, uh, who are doing a lot of work in this space. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that's everything I wow. can send. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh yeah. Also, uh, it's happy. I know this uh, the recording's on the 25th. It's happy Ace Week, everybody. Cool. What's so ace my week? asexuals and aromantics and all in betweens. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a celebration to you. A lot of autistic folk are on the ace spectrum. And so I always feel very strongly about making sure that that's a good shout out to have.
0: Absolutely, and can you please show your T-shirt? I've just remembered.
1: Yes, yes. Okay, so it says hashtag no filter,
0: mm-hmm. and my
1: friend gave it to me after a lot of drunken jokes we had at the pub about how. uh <laughs> Well, her, her way of saying it was she goes, "I love it, Ruby. I love it. It's just like you got no filter at all. Just yeah. no filter. I'm mm-hmm. Like yes, it's hundred percent what it is. Yeah, and it's, it's been. It was a nice example, I think, of a quality in myself that I'd often really thought of something I had to overcome. Like mm-hmm. you know." Uh, something that was going to hold me back or was going to stop me from making friends. Mm-hmm. Having friends that were like, no, we love this about you was a yep. very revelationary thing to me. Um, mm. And I try to remember that people like that I can be extremely blunt sometimes.
0: I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually prefer I what people what being honest.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I prefer people to say what they mean. Yeah. Subtext, subtext is very, very confusing. It's a hard
0: yeah. time. That's what I've, always, uh-huh. that's yeah, what I've exactly. always said, like, you know, neurotypicals, like we play all these weird mind games and just, it's, mm. yeah, it's, 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 wild. it's, it's, it's wild. exhausting. Um, yeah.
1: it's, it's exhausting to understand. I find that yeah. like I tend to look at it as like running things through a giant computer program and trying to factor in enough things about a person so I can <laughs> pick up what the things are saying. Anyway, uh, you know, mm. that ends the breaks. Thank you so much for having me.
0: No, thank you. So what I'll do is, um, any all all your um socials and fo- details about podcasts, etc., I'll pop in the comments um below um, below excuse me, start again. I'll pop it in the comments below this podcast when it goes live tomorrow. Um yes, when it goes live. Um and other than that no that's it so th- so everybody um thank you for watching and we'd love it if you'd leave your uh either like comment uh share this podcast and leave comments in uh, what, what you're thinking uh, what you think of the show uh any questions that you might have for ruby and also for any guests that you might like to see on future episodes and so thank you for watching and thank you ruby for being on
1: No worries. Tell all your friends how cool we are.
0: Yes, absolutely. Tell us. (laughs) Thank you.